0: Chapter eleven of Boots and Saddles or Life in Dakota with General Custer by Elizabeth Custer. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Sue Anderson. Chapter eleven the burning of our quarters carrying the mail. We had hardly finished arranging our quarters when one freezing night I was awakened by a roaring sound in a chimney that had been defective from the first women have such a rooted habit of smelling smoke and sending men on needless investigating trips in the dead of night that i tried to keep still for a few moments the sound grew too loud to be mistaken and i awakened my husband he ran upstairs and found the room above us on fire HE CALLED TO ME TO BRING HIM SOME WATER, BELIEVING HE COULD EXTINGUISH IT HIMSELF. WHILE I HURRIED AFTER THE WATER THERE CAME SUCH A CRASH AND EXPLOSION THAT MY BRAIN SEEMED TO REEL FROM FRIGHT. I HAD NO THOUGHT BUT THAT MY HUSBAND WAS KILLED. NOTHING CAN DESCRIBE THE RELIEF WITH WHICH I HEARD HIS VOICE CALLING BACK TO MY AGONIZED QUESTION ABOUT HIS SAFETY. HIS ESCAPE WAS VERY NARROW the chimney had burst. The whole side of the room was blown out, and he was covered with plaster and surrounded with fallen bricks. The gas from the petroleum paper put on between the plastering and the outer walls to keep out the cold had exploded. The roof had ignited at once and was blown off with a noise like the report of artillery. The sentinel at the guardhouse fired his carbine as an alarm the general ran to one of the lower windows and with his powerful voice that he could throw so far called for the guard then we hurried to the room occupied by our girlfriend the plaster falling on her head from the burning roof was the first hint she had of the danger it was unsafe for her to stop to gather her clothes and wrapping a blanket about her we sent her to our sister next door. In an incredibly short time the men were swarming about the house. The general had buttoned his vest containing his watch and purse over his long nightdress, and unconscious of his appearance, he gave just as cool orders to the soldiers as if it were a drill. They also were perfectly cool and worked like beavers to remove our things for with no engine and without water it was useless to try to save the house the general stood upon the upper landing and forbade them to join him as it was perilous the floors being then on fire he had insisted upon my going out of the house but i was determined not to do so until he was safe when i did leave i ran in my night-dress over the snow to our sisters The house burned very quickly. Fortunately, it was a still, cold night, and there was no wind to spread the flames. Except for this, the whole garrison might have been burned. When the morning came, we went to inspect the heap of household belongings that had been carried out on the parade ground. It was a sorry collection of torn, broken, and marred effects Most of my clothes were gone, our poor girlfriend looked down into her trunk, empty except for one tarlatan party-gown. I had lost silver and linen, and what laces and finery I had. The only loss I mourned, as it was really irreparable, was a collection of newspaper clippings regarding my husband that I had saved during and since the war beside these i lost a little wig that i had worn at a fancy dress ball made from the golden rings of curly hair cut from my husband's head after the war when he had given up wearing long locks the fire served one purpose after all before it occurred i had always been a trial to mary because i cared so little for dress and really owned so few ornaments When the servants gathered together after that to boast of the possessions of their several mistresses as is customary with the colored people who so love display mary was armed with an excuse for me i used to hear of her saying you just oughter see what miss libby had afore the fire and then she would describe in detail elegant apparel that i had never even thought of having long afterward i heard of the comments of one of our number who loved the loaves and fishes of this life beyond everything in vain she accumulated and had the proud satisfaction of outdoing every one in the number of her dresses mary managed to slip into her kitchen on some feigned errand and drawing upon her imagination Related how much richer Miss Libby's possessions were before the fire. I had a hearty laugh by myself when I heard that Miss Flora McFlimsey of our circle, worn out with the boasting of the cook, was heard to exclaim, I wish I might have seen for myself all the gorgeousness described. I am tired to death of hearing about before the fire the general selected another set of quarters next to his brothers and thither removed the remnants of our household goods he begged me not to go near the house or attempt to settle until i had recovered from the fright of the fire and of his imperiled life the night before we were all busy enough trying to fit our things upon our little friend her purse with abundance to buy a new outfit was burned and it would be weeks before she could receive a remittance from home by our slow mails next day as she sat among us in borrowed apparel several sizes too large she had a surprise a huge clothes basket was handed in at the door with a note addressed to her begging her to consider herself the garrison had long felt that she was the daughter of the regiment the basket contained everything that the generous hearts of friends could suggest not content with this another was sent on the next day with a further supply of things bought in the store at bismarck she objected to the acceptance and tears rose in her eyes at the thoughtfulness but there were no names signed to the note so we could not heed remonstrances. Everyone came with needles and thimbles, and the scissors flew. I was too much absorbed in this scheme to ask many questions about the new quarters. When I did inquire, the general put me off by saying that, in a few days, I should begin to settle. The second evening after the fire, he sent for me and asked if i would come and consult with him about some arrangement of the furniture as he was too busy to come after me i started at once but mary ever thoughtful of my appearance and deep in the mystery that followed urged me to put on my other gown i was unwillingly put into it and went to the new house to find both sets of quarters lighted throughout and the band playing home sweet home my husband meeting me led me in and to my utter surprise i found the whole place completely settled a door cut through into colonel tom's quarters and the garrison assembled at the general's invitation for the housewarming the pantry was full of good things to eat that mary had prepared for the supper everyone tried by merry frolic and dancing to make me forget the catastrophe, and the general, bubbling over with fun, inspired me to join. Then he told me to what subterfuges he had resorted to get the house ready and repeated to me again that it was never worth while to cry over spilled milk. THE LIFE OF THE ENLISTED MEN WAS VERY DULL DURING THE COLD WEATHER. IN THE SUMMER THEY HAD MOUNTED DRILL AND PARADES, AND AN OCCASIONAL SCOUT TO VARY THE LIFE. THEY GOT VERY LITTLE GOOD OUT OF THEIR HORSES IN THE WINTER. AN HOUR IN THE MORNING AND ANOTHER IN THE AFTERNOON WERE SPENT EVERY DAY IN GROOMING THEM. THE GENERAL TOOK ME DOWN TO THE STABLES SOMETIMES TO WATCH THE WORK each horse had the name given to him by his rider printed in home-made letters over his stall some of the men were so careful of their horses that they were able to keep them for service during the five years of their enlistment the daily intercourse of horse and rider quickened the instinct of the brute so that he seemed half human indeed i have seen an old troop-horse from whose back a raw recruit had tumbled go through the rest of the drill as correctly as if mounted by a well-trained soldier many of the soldiers love and pet their dumb beasts and if the supply of grain gives out on a campaign they unhesitatingly steal for them as a mother would for a starving child beside every stall hung the saddle and equipments of the trooper and the companies vied with one another in keeping them in perfect condition some of the horses coats shone like satin under the busy currycomb of an attached master the captain of a company and his first sergeant soon discovered the faults of a horse when the preparations for a campaign began it was really laughable to hear the ingenious excuses why an apparently sound horse should be exchanged for another from the fresh supply in the same way a soldier who was hopelessly worthless was often transferred to another company the officers who had been the recipient of the undesirable soldier would come to the general to complain i could not always keep a straight countenance when the injured captain narrated his wrongs one told of what desperate need he had been in for a tailor he had been proffered this man with many eulogies by a brother officer and the final recommendation given which ensured the acceptance of this seemingly generous offer was he has made clothes for me not until the transfer was effected and a suit of clothes ruined for the captain was he told by his would-be liberal friend the whole story which was oh yes he made clothes for me but i forgot to add i couldn't wear them the general sympathized with the impatience of the enlisted men in their dull life which drove the sergeants to solicit as a privilege, the transportation of the mail. For a man of my husband's temperament, it was easy to understand that danger was more endurable than the dead calm of barrack life. The telegraph lines were frequently down, and except for the courage of the sergeants, we should have been completely isolated from the outside world." with four mules and the covered body of a government wagon on bobs they went over a trackless waste of snow for two hundred and fifty miles occasionally there were huts that had once been stage stations where they could stop but it was deadly perilous for them to leave the telegraph line no matter through what drifts they were compelled to plunge THE BEWILDERMENT OF A SNOWSTORM COMES VERY SOON. AN OFFICER LYING IN THE HOSPITAL, QUITE CRAZED FROM HAVING BEEN LOST IN ATTEMPTING TO CROSS A PARADE GROUND ONLY LARGE ENOUGH FOR THE REGIMENT IN LINE, WAS A FEARFUL WARNING TO THESE VENTURESOME MEN. IF THE MAIL-SERGEANT DID NOT APPEAR WHEN HE WAS DUE, AT THE END OF TWO WEEKS, the general could scarcely restrain his anxiety. He was so concerned for the man's safety that he kept going to the window and door incessantly. He spoke to me so often of his fears for him that I used to imagine he would, for once, express some of his anxiety when the sergeant finally appeared to report. But military usage was too deeply bred in the bone of both and the report was made and received with the customary repressed dignity of manner however i have seen my husband follow the man to the door tell him that he had felt great concern about him and renew his directions to take every precaution for his safety how thankful i used to be that i was not hedged in with a soldier's discipline but that i could follow the faithful old trooper and tell him how the general had worried about him and how thankful we all were for his safe return it did not take long for the garrison to discover the poor mules with their tired drooping heads and wilted ears dragging the mail sleigh into the post every officer rushed to the adjutant's office for his mail it was a great event and the letters were hailed with joy an orphan and having no brothers and sisters i must have been the only one who was contented not to get any for my world was there an officer's wife who could hardly wait for news from her lonely delicate mother in the east used to say pathetically realizing the distance that intervened that no one knew what it was to be married to a husband and a mother at the same time as soon as the mail was distributed the general buried himself with the newspapers for several days after he agreed with me that an old engraving called my husband was a faithful likeness of him at such a time the picture represented a man sitting in a chair completely hidden except his crossed legs and his hands and clasping an outspread newspaper as soon as the contents were devoured he cut from the illustrated papers comic pictures and adding to them some doggerel sent them in to our witty neighbor as illustrating some joke that had transpired against her with other papers by a little drawing he transposed the figures and likenesses of some of the officers who had been placed previously in some ludicrous position adding marginal comments he left the picture uppermost where they were sure to be seen By the persons for whom they were intended when they came in as usual to look over the papers and magazines in his room a clever lady in a neighboring garrison speaking of the arrival of the mail described how voraciously she seized the new reading matter and closeted herself for hours to read up in advance of the others she felt that having exhausted every other topic she must coach up on something new in spite of the great risks and dangers of the mail carriers their journeys were accomplished without serious accident i used to hear occasionally that the sergeant had levied such a heavy tax upon the citizens of bismarck when he brought small parcels through for them that he had quite a little sum of money for himself by spring End of chapter 11